Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan, everyone calls me Brasky, and today I am joined, not as always, but this time we're mixing things up again. This time we have we have the meeting of the Knicks. We have both Lady of the Crease, Nicole Callahan, and Inextrad, Nick Price, subbing in for the Mighty Linguini. This is awkward. Um, I usually would say, what's up, fam? But we've, okay, Nicole, we've kind of told Nick that he's been the only Nick, and now y'all get to meet, so... Hey, everybody. How we doing? Hey, howdy. Hey, I mean, I can I, go by like Nikki or something. I guess. Oh, my God. No, Nikki. Nikki is actually my real nickname. Nikki is what people call me my whole you life. You can't have all of the Nick nicknames. Yeah, you don't take. Nick, yeah, you don't take ownership of all these Nick nicknames. I, I only have to be called Nick because it sounded cooler in college. And I'm regretting it because I, my, my true name is Nikki. So this is this is just so confusing to me that you think that you own all of the nicknames beyond just nicknames. I don't own them; they're mine, but I don't own them. It's like I a mean, shared also, thing. It's a it's a communal. You took um, the cool magic one in Nickstrad. Wow. Yeah, yeah, in Nickstrad, you have so many other things. Nicole, if you had a nickname or did you have nicknames, what were they? Um, Nicknack. Nicknack, perfect. Nicknack's cute, right? Writing that down. Yeah. Let's no look at the list. Of, me, let's. No one yeah, ever called me Nicknack. See, oh, there can, you go. Wait, We're looking can, at Inextrad. Wait, can Inextrad be knickknack? And I'll be. Give me something else. I want oh, one of his. I want to trade uh, nicknames. Uh, well, I mean, if he's knickknack, you're paddywhack. I mean, that's all. Wow. That's all we're going to do with that. See. <laughs> Perfect. That's what we're going to do from now on. That's the fan we're rolling with is knickknack paddywhack, and I'm not going to give a dog anything. I want to <laughs> give a hoot about how my co-host weeks in magic were. And so that's what I always love to ask at the beginning of these podcasts is how was our week in magic? Uh, Nick, 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 Strahd, depending on which paddywhack we want to go with here. Nick, how was your week in magic? You know, it's it's actually fine because I, I strongly suspected that I wasn't the only co-host, um, considering FAM was still releasing episodes when I wasn't recording. I didn't listen to them, but I assumed that you just had someone on and now I can't deny the reality anymore. So I'm I mean, very it's, happy. It's, there's a difference between that. We really just made a soundboard with your voice and then just inserted different like quotes from you as I talk to myself. That's kind of oh, speaking of, of quotes that I repeat all the time this week in magic. I've been cubing. See, it's, it's not that hard to make a soundboard of me. So this week I've been drafting on magic online. I've been drafting the teamer cube, which you heard that right is a cube entirely composed of red, blue, green and artifact cards slash, I guess, Eldrazi. And it's designed by, uh, at Ellie of the Veil on Twitter. So I suggest you, uh, uh, I guess you can't check the cube out anymore because it will have ended by the time this episode goes up, but, but definitely, uh, check Ellie of the Veil out on Twitter. Like the, the cube is amazing and it's definitely been one of the more fun alternate play experiences I've, I've had on Magic Online. So, okay. There's a teamer cube. Is this... I think we all know where this is going. Does this mean that I need to make a Grixis cube at some point? So um, the Grixis cube actually exists, <gasps> unfortunately. And it was on Magic Online, I want to say, a year or two ago. And it was designed by Ryan Overturf. And that was a was a blast. And I think Otten Burchett also has a Bant cube. So I'm... It, it's been so cool exploring these these uh, Im imbalanced cubes and, and seeing what kind of the, the absence of colors brings to the table. I love I love everything about this. Now I need to go like I need to go into like the Internet, the Wayback Machine and go find this Grixis cube. It's going to be like it's going to be like an Indiana Jones scene for me. It's just me like searching for the Grixis cube and then eventually like I find it and I have to like, you know, I'm doing the thing where you have like the bag of sand and the Grixis cube holding it back and forth, except like the bag of sand is like, it's like a bunch of like green chaff and I'm just trying to slowly like replace it on the other and run away. <laughs> you can let us know how that, that works out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I will. And I will, I man, oh, everything about a Grixis cube just makes me feel so nice. I'd just be like, I'm going to be doing this for sure. But yeah, while I am in the format stage, where Grixis is playable. <laughs> Well, I mean, can't you? You just said it, it's because it's it would be Grixis and all colorless cards, right? Like artifact. Yeah, can't you so just, it's, like, it's the only format where Grixis is. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, can't you just draft a colorless deck? 
Oh, that's and, what like, I was just going to say. It's, don't <laughs> crush my spirits. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I played a Grixis cube. I drafted all colorless and just dominated. <laughs> I took Sundering Titan. I guess like <sighs> sneak attack maybe or something like that. You're just crushing my soul right it's now. Well, when you're not taking dream, you know, when you're not taking dreamstone hedrons in a Grixis cube, Nicole, how was your week in magic? Uh, magic this week was fantastic. Um, I'm really excited. The The Kaldheim spoilers are, are finishing up. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, like seeing that and kind of taking a look at the whole spoiler like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, I like to look at all the spoilers all together and kind of see you know, what, where the power levels are at for all the different cards, start looking at what decks people are putting together on the internet, because I'm a net decker, and um, my VML match went really well, speaking of, uh, that's, uh, speaking of uh, net decking, I, <laughs> I took the uh, good list I found off of an SEG, a gruel list, and I, I finally put one up in the win column. So I am 1-2, so avoiding being 0-3, which would be very sad, but I'm ready to fight my way back up. There's uh, four weeks to go, and I'm ready to crush. Does 5-2 make top 8? Oh, uh, yeah, 5-2. Honestly, some X-3s do make, because we cut to top 24. So it's sort of like a chip in a chair. Like, I just need to win. I need to concentrate on winning and not look at the scoreboard anymore. I just need to win. Was it one of those things where you were just like, it's... We, you know, you were O two avoiding O three, but was it one of those spots where it's just you still felt good about how you played? It just it didn't it didn't go your way, or did you? Was there something else behind the O two where it's like I either wasn't you weren't playing your best magic, or you just weren't picking the right decks? It's funny because I felt like I picked the correct deck week one. I played Gruel as well, um, and I felt really good about the matchup. Um, and I played a mirror, but a, the, a mirror that had like Noah Crow and Wars, uh, I had three. So I'm like, I'm in, this is like, you know, my opponent was playing like Rimrock Knight and all the cards aren't really that as good in the mirror. And I just got run over. So I was like, well, that didn't feel good. Like, I feel like I wanted that one back, I guess, but I don't know that I, I'm sure I screwed up somewhere. There's a million mistakes in every game of magic, but that's a whole nother, you know, can of worms. Uh, and then the week after, I had seen my week two opponent in week one had registered this blue, black, like lightly splashing green, like 18 kills and discard spells, like would absolutely, I felt like it would crush any gruel deck and played like Ashiok and Big Garrick. And I'm like, you know what? I'm playing blue, white control. And I'm going to see, and I registered blue, white control and they played gruel. So, <laughs> um, it actually was very, very close. It was a very close match, uh, but I lost in three games. And so I was a little disappointed, but I was still very happy with my deck choice. And it was cool to play blue-white control and kind of like break out from the whole either Gruul Adventures or Demir Rogues or whatever. It was kind of like, you know, a sort of off-the-radar deck. So that also sends a message to my future opponents that I could just show up with anything. So... <laughs> The thing I appreciate about that, though, Nicole, is is the fact that, and maybe this is for another podcast or for another time, is metagaming a little bit of just being like, you're trying to do that, you know, X plus one of being like, who's going to bring what? What should I bring? If they're Well, if this person brings this, then I should bring this. But if they think I'm going to bring this, I should bring this thing. So I'm going to bring this deck and then they show up and they, and then either it works out great for you or you know, you're, you're going to bring blue white control and run into something you absolutely just get wrecked to. There's that, that's something about just kind of when you're, when you're play testing, there's a mixture of like, do you just go up against what you think is the best deck or do you try to beat what people are going to use to beat the best deck? Like that kind of situation. I felt like you ran into that a little, like you ran into that a little bit with VML and then you went back to some stuff, but now at the very least, no one knows what you're going to play now. Oh, exactly. It's like, yeah, that next level thinking. And I think it was exactly the opposite in week one and week two, where in week two, I was trying to be clever. In week one, I just played the deck and I was smart. Does that make sense? Like it's the difference between smart and being clever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I don't regret my deck choices any of the three weeks, but uh, it's just it only worked out on one of them so far. So, <laughs> but that's okay. I, you know, chip in a chair. I'm still in you it. Know- I'll say this much. We need to make a new magic card. It's a split card, mm-hmm. much like, you know, uh, any of the, you know, Dawn to Dusk or anything like that. It's either going to be chip and a chair or like clever. And what was the other one? Clever and smart. smart. Yeah. So it's like clever, smart. One is random. The other's like, like a tutor, right? It's like that kind of thing. Like those are the cards we need to design for these next sets. 
that like reward it. everyone equally, especially us Grixis players. <laughs> Saying it's a blue red card. Yep, exactly. It's a blue red card, and then the opposite card is like a is a blue black. You know, that's what we need right there. It just like seems it. it just seems to it just seems to be like mm, chef's kiss. <laughs> that's what I need. I'll add that to my cube, my own custom cards inside of things that are obviously not well designed at all. Uh, and speaking of of Grixis, my week in Magic involves making a colorless commander deck, and it was fun. It was glorious. Uh, I finally finished building a Kozlik the Great Distortion deck. It is complete. It is finished. I'm super happy with it. It just has a bunch of huge, huge Eldrazi and other spells that go alongside of it. Uh, we don't need to go here nor there with it, but what I will say about it is that, at the very least, it's it's one of my favorite things about Magic right now, which is just putting putting your personality in a deck or at least creating some sort of like personality towards the deck. And in the deck, when I play it, it truly is like people are going, Oh my goodness, these huge, these huge Eldrazi are on their way. What do we do about it? And then disrupting that. And it turns into this fun match between those things. I enjoy that. But while I wasn't doing that, what I did do was also go call times coming up. And because call times coming up, I'm going to be jumping back into just kind of like, I look and I panic as a budget player going, Oh no, I need to hoard gold. So then I'm, Jumping in, I'm just trying to complete quests. I'm trying to gather as much gold as I possibly can. I'm going to, you know, play. I, I even ended up playing like some some standard challenges. At the very least, like like doing a net net like profit with that. At least gaining some cards from that from playing a lot of Demir Rogues, which I am actually quite enjoying. I think people are burnt out by it, but they're only burnt out by it because they're playing too much of it. As someone who's like playing a reasonable human amount of Magic, I'm having a great time with Demir Rogues right now. Um, but that's what I've been doing with my week in the magic in my week in magic. And it, it's been, it's been quite lovely to kind of play at my own pace in the way I want to. And that's why we always also love to look forward to seeing what else is going to come up in the world of magic. And now usually we'd have a complete rundown of all the different competitive events that would be going on. Perhaps Caroline, the mighty Linguini would give us that rundown while giving us her own little theme music of do, 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 but that's not happening for several reasons. One, Caroline is not here. Two, we're getting close to a pre-release of call time. So there's not that many competitive events, but there is one event that we wanted to give a rundown to. And that's something that we've done casting for and producing for in the past. And that is uh, it, you know, an organization that we absolutely respect and think they do great things. And that is, of course, the Mythic Society has their set roulette coming up this weekend. And set roulette, for those that don't know, you can find out more about it uh, by by going to, uh, you know, visiting the Mythic Society. You can see them on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Mythic Society. They have their own store at themythicstore.com. Um, but every month they will do a set roulette where it is they randomly pick sets from the history of magic although once they pick a set it can't be chosen again and once they pick those sets they will then host a constructed event where players have to build 60 card uh 60 card decks with a sideboard from those sets and it's been really really and they they play in magic the gathering online and it's been really really fun to see the deck building that happens when you have kind of kind of this this focused chaos draft is kind of what it ends up being. This constructed chaos is is what it is. And so uh, their next one is going to be this weekend, uh, starting on January 24th. You can still sign up for it, I believe, by going uh, to by searching on MTG Melee for the Mythic Society, and you'll find it from there. And this weekend, the constructed set roulette is going to feature uh, a few different sets uh, from Magic: The Gathering Online, and that's going to include Masters Edition Four. Ravnica, City of Guilds, Mercadian Masks, Rivals of Ixalan, Oath of the Gatewatch, and Apocalypse. And of course, when you look at those sets, obviously, you try to foretell yourself what's uh, going, if anything needs to be banned from that. And obviously, Island Sanctuary is going to be completely banned from that. Why? Because it's absolutely broken. Just kidding. It's literally broken. It's It doesn't work in Magic the Gathering Online due to a bug. So that card is banned. Everything else, it's fair game. You can do whatever you want with it it's going to be a fantastic swiss open deck lists go to a top eight when you look at things like and and nick i know you've been helping some folks out with some testing for this but i see stuff like i don't know oath of the Gatewatch. uh there's gonna be some there's gonna be some spiciness without people been building those decks yeah so um sometimes the problem with the set roulette not really the problem but maybe one challenge with enjoying the set roulette is you may not know a lot of the cards being played because you know it, it'll be a combination of of a set that you're familiar with and that you played standard in but it's also going to be some 
weird set from 1997. And for if you're primarily an arena player, it might be more difficult for you to to get into the action. But so um, you already brought up which sets were included in, in this in this set roulette. But I just want to talk a little bit about uh, Masters Edition Four because this isn't a real set. It's a it's a made up set that was exclusively released on Magic Online, and the Masters Edition. We're kind of like the forerunners of of modern masters and uh, other kinds of reprint sets in that these were the sets that Magic Online used to introduce the Power 9 and other uh, sort of vintage power level cards to Magic Online. So with this set being included in the set that we're going to have access to absolutely insane cards like Sol Ring, Fast Bond, the original Dual Lands, Balance, um, Mana Crypt. Fast Bond. Did I did I say Fast Bond? Yes, uh, you did say Fast Bond. Channel Fast Bond. Um, <laughs> Mistress Workshop. So th- this is without a doubt going to be the most powerful setter that we've had. And you should note that they aren't banning or restricting any cards aside from the, the literally broken island sanctuary. So I, I was hanging out with a couple of my friends doing testing for the event. And my my, my my the person I'm watching on Magic Online literally goes turn one land Sol Ring Mana Crypt Mana Crypt Endbringer, so you have this really sweet mashup of like the most insane fast mana available, and just the biggest fatties from Oath of the Gate Watch with some weird quirky cards from Ravnica Rivals of Ixalan and Apocalypse thrown in like uh, Dark Heart of the Woods. I'm not sure if if our tens of readers who play Magic Arena will, will know about that card, but it's actually like the key card in a Storm deck that might feature uh, prominently on the weekend. So what I'm super the hell is Dark Heart of the Woods? I need to know this. So it's a it's an enchantment for black and a green, and so you sacrifice a forest to gain three life. So it's basically like a, a, a kind of like a Zurin orb, and what it does is it lets you continue going off with fast bond and gush uh, without like killing yourself due to taking one damage from playing extra lands. So y- you you have fast bond, you have gush, you you play a bunch of lands, you draw a bunch of cards, you wheel a fortune, you play dark card of the woods, you sack a forest, you gain three life, you play more lands, you draw more cards, and then you just fireball or brain guys or your opponent for lethal. What the hell is a Zurin orb? <laughs> It's a it's a boomer card. Huh. What is a boomer card? No, <laughs> hmm. That sounds like that sounds like some spiciness. That sounds like a spicy format. There's going to be some good things happening there. Nicole, when you hear about what Nick is talking about, when you hear about the sets that are going to be happening in the set roulette, just on first glance, what like what it, what it stands out to you, or what's going like, oh my god, what's happening with this thing? I mean, one of my thoughts is like the power that you said the mana crypt and all that stuff it's oath of the gatewatch is literally the perfect set to take advantage of the fact that it only makes colorless mana and thing, you know soul rain things like that so i did i say fast bond is in the is in the set for that <laughs> you you know i heard tell i heard tell that there might be fast bond. fast bond might might be in are, are are you playing nick uh no i i but fast bond's well, legal <laughs> I, I am a fast one cube player. I do play that card in cube a bunch, but I'll probably be watching. No, it sounds like people are just going to show up with like cube decks, but just four ofs if cube decks, which just sounds like it sounds like the matches are going to go really quickly. I think so. <laughs> oh, demonic yeah, demonic the demonic tutor is in oh, the format. Oh my gosh! These matches are going to go really quickly, or they're going to go, or they're just going to be like two, like just. Just watching, un, you know, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. That's what's going to happen with these. <laughs> either way, either way, I know I'm going to really enjoy seeing what's going to happen. I know I'm going to be tuning into that. Now, that, like, Nick has given me, like, the absolute, like, quickest primer ever. Yeah. Uh, along with, uh, uh, what, what was the card you mentioned, Nick? That card that you mentioned four times? Uh, Library of Alexandria. That's it. Thank you, of course. Which yeah, is it's a combo with Fast Bond. It's actually not a combo. <laughs> it's not a combo at all, but... Yeah. So it, one more thing, if, if our readers, if our listeners actually know what combat ability Kozilek has without looking it up, you can tweet it at us at Swagoy Gaming, because I learned that Kozilek the Great Distortion from Oath of the Gatewatch has an ability that isn't Force of Will 
or draw seven cards or something. It's true. Yeah, no, it has a it has a third ability. I know because as I discussed earlier, this is the this is the general of my commander deck. It can draw you cards equal to seven. You can discard to counter something, and it has a wonderful third ability. So if you know what that is, tweet at us at Swigoy Gaming to let us know. Nicole is already like thinking about it and guessing herself. Nicole, go ahead and take a guess. I will bleep it out whether or not you're wrong or right. I I can I tell I'm not even gonna take a guess. I, mm-hmm. I actually have no idea. Um, but I went to a pre-release Oath of the Gatewatch like early on and my promo card was a cause that I was so excited. I remember like having the card and be like, this is so good. I think I might have cast it once. I, I was very upset. So I don't remember exactly what it did, but my deck was busted. I had like, I had I had an Endbringer in there and a couple uh, other like nice colorless cards, but I was, I remember being so excited that I opened Kozilek and I, I don't even what, know what it does. It was just, what, I, I couldn't what even happened, what, it was. what happened to that promo Kozilek? It's it's probably somewhere, <laughs> so <laughs> I could I only there's a you know just a couple dozen boxes of magic cards here. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to go. I mean, we're gonna stop the podcast right here. I'm gonna need you to find <laughs> that card, and we will discuss terms uh, soon after that. That's all I'm gonna say about that. My goodness, but obviously because we can uh, look ahead uh, to many of the other wonderful. Uh, what was that card again, Nick? Um, which which card? The the one that you got. What was it? The one that you mentioned five times. So forgettable. Uh, it. Oh, Island Sanctuary. Yeah, Gush. Island Sanctuary. <laughs> Gush, Gush was it? Yeah. Gush. Yeah. And that pairs with. Remand is in the set. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you try to make a segue off of off of Inextrad, is that he's just not going to give you anything to jump off of. I mean, it's just... City of Brass. Yes, thank you. The City <laughs> of Brass. That's what I need. Everyone, it's something that's in everybody's budget is the City of Brass. Please add that to all of your decks going forward soon. But while you're looking for City of Brass and also looking through different broken things to do with Oath of the Gatewatch, there's other things to look forward to do that might be possibly broken, and that is things that are happening in Kaldheim. And that is because call time is upon us. There's going to be, you know, it's it's coming up. There's, we now know kind of all the mechanics and other pieces that are going along with it. Um, the cool thing about it is that there's there's some new mechanics and some old mechanics that go alongside Kaldheim. New mechanics, we're talking about things like Fortell. Uh, Fortell is super interesting because you can, you know, pay two mana and exile that card face down, and then you can pay its Fortell cost. So then it shows up uh you know when you need it to at the right time depending on you know the the attributes of that card obviously and then there's things like sagas are making a return snowlands and snow the you know snow mana and snow mechanics are making a return you also have awesome things like tribal synergies vehicles or as an equipment giants wizards treasures oh my there is so much to look at uh when it comes to Kaldheim. Beyond just like those those big, big core mechanics, there's a lot of synergies and other pieces that go alongside of it as well. There's so much to dig into with Kaldheim that I, that's kind of what we wanted to talk about a little bit with this was kind of dig into our first impressions of these the new mechanics, some of the old mechanics, how we feel it's going to play out uh, in the metagame, you know, in the different ways in which we play Magic. And that's what we'd love to dig in right now. So, Nicole, I would love your input about what you think when you see things like foretell when, with snow energy coming back sagas are returning when you see all of that like what stands out to you about it what are you excited for see i think things like sagas i think sagas are a great thing to keep evergreen you know just always have one or two in standard i think it's a very they they've proven to be powerful but not too powerful you know it's a i think that's a, a great mechanic i want to get into the snow covered things I know snow covered lands are back. All these snow things are back. Now I love, I played snow covered mountains when I played legacy burn and modern burn snow covered forests in my Tron deck. I love playing them, but I don't think I'm crazy about snow permanence because there was no reason for me to play snow covered mountains in legacy burn. I just did it because the, the art was cool and I just wanted to play snow covered mountains. And I always remembered I not yet, you know, knock on wood, have I forgotten to, on my deck list, write down snow-covered mountain as opposed to mountain. That is something you must do. And if we ever get back to paper magic, you have to register snow-covered lands as snow-covered lands and not basic lands. So just an FYI for everybody out there. But um, the snow permanent seems kind of like it's 
a lot of upside and no downside. And I want to see something be like, well, you know, you play the spell, but if you have a snow land and you take two damage or something like that, or have there be a, um, like a cultivate and it's just, you know, three mana, you know, find two lands. If your opponent has a snow permanent play, those lands come in untapped instead or something. So, uh, I'd like to see like a negative to it. Um, uh, same thing, uh, the mechanics with like Fortel. Fortel seems really good. It seems really powerful. Everybody's expecting it to slot right into standard. Uh, I'd love to see like an ingest mechanic come back where like you can eat a card out of exile like the Eldrazi used to do or, or something like that. Kind of just balance things out. I guess like, we should see exactly how the mechanic works out if it's going to be as powerful as everybody's saying it's going to be and the cards look pretty good. Um the mechanic I'm most interested in that I think has the most like potential, like unrealized potential, is boast. Oh, I didn't uh, even mention boast. Yeah. Oh, tell yeah. us yeah, tell us about the boast. So, <laughs> so yeah, there, there, there are, are just... boast loads of mechanics in this. Are... Oh, <laughs> look out. Oh man. All right. Nick <laughs> muted for the rest of the podcast. Actually, no, that was brilliant. You're staying. That was that was actually that was, that so, was, that was Nicole, solid. give us the rundown on boast. <laughs> um boast is a mechanic that um of it's of varying costs on certain creatures uh you attack uh and if you pay their boast it has some sort of plus side like you know i think there's a three three for four with boast the other three i think it might be two it's like when you attack if you pay the boast uh you can untap it and put a plus one plus one counter on it you can only do it once per turn uh but the mechanic seems great in, in limited, and I'm very curious to see if it's going to work out in um, standard. So there are a lot of, there's a lot of attacking going on in standard, you know, between either like the rogue deck, rule deck, things like that, uh, that are around right now. We're seeing some tribal decks come around, uh, but there's not always a lot of blocking in my, like the Esper Doom decks and things like that. So a mechanic like Boast might be able to sneak its way into standard. And I'm very curious to see if we'll get one or two Boast cards to be at least fringe standard playable. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it seems like something that, you know, when you when you think about something like Boast, which is if you attack pay this, like, does that slot into aggro decks? And does that give aggro decks enough to compete with, you know, some of the other foretold mechanics or some of the more mid-range or controlling mechanics, the huge value decks that are out there? Uh, to see something it's like you know dragonkin berserker which you know one in red for a two 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 mana two two that's one thing but you know if you get to a point especially in limited but also maybe in some other spot where you can boast for four and a red and then create a five five red dragon that can be a cool mechanic that we see the limited implications of that but whether or not that comes out and constructed i think you're right is, is it remains to be seen so it's and it's good to have that mana sink and like more aggressive decks, you know, later on in those later turns when you just don't have anything to do, your hands empty. So might as well pump up your team. <laughs> so we have so we got boast, we got some of the other mechanics. Is there any other of the like of the the features of the set, like ores and equipment or vehicles or giants that oh. like you're just like, oh yes, vehicles. Oh no, no vehicles. I no actually vehicles? I cannot stand vehicles. I I they 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 bother me. <laughs> Cause I feel like I've there's been so many times where it's like you have a heart of Kieran in play, you have nothing to crew it with, and you're sitting there and you draw another heart of Kieran. You're like, this is it. I'm just dead here. Like, this is the worst thing ever. And then there's other times, you know, I, I mean, I, I played through the time of like Smuggler's Copter, which was just absolutely brutal. And it's just, I, I think vehicles, they've had a hard time balancing them. I think maybe there's nothing that I've seen yet to kind of like startle me as far as you know what's coming out in cal time but um i'm just not a fan it, it feels like you just invest so much and i feel like it almost has to be broken to be worth it uh so you know a, a card like smuggler's copter like i don't want to play um what was the, the boat <laughs> that's that that's um sky sovereign sky sovereign I yeah think sky sovereign. <laughs> i also dislike that card very strongly the other thing that I'll that I'll float by as well on your opinions on this one is the fact that you know when you talk about like snow mana doesn't really have doesn't really have a a, a negative effect like you're not really paying anything like with that snow mana it's only upside as you said um, is that something that you that you could foretell will be an issue 
in some constructed sets or at least in the standard uh, realm is that like, well, everyone's going to be running snow because there's no reason not to. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just, it's just no reason not to. It's it's the reason I was playing it in in Tron. Like, why not play forest, the snow covered forest, as opposed to forest? Because there's no there's nothing like stopping me. There, was there any? But there was no positive either. You know, it was just like for fun, I guess. And it's just there's nothing stopping anybody from just running. That nobody's going to run. You know, eight mountains. They're going to run eight snow covered mountains. And you know, there's the the fetchable like dual thing. I don't think that'll come up in any of the, uh, the eternal formats, but um, I, I, I'm just like, I wish there was a downside and I'm kind of hoping that maybe one will come in the next couple of sets. Like wizards does connect their sets. You know, there are some definite themes. They come back and pick up on certain things, but. And there is a little bit of snow hate in this set, right? There is like a little bit of things, but even then it's just like, it's not something that you're like, well, that's not something you would play in a normal deck. Maybe sideboard it. Exactly one card, I think. Is there there more than one card? Because I I know that, yeah, it's a, it's a hate bear. It's a, it's a two and a white, two, three flying, uh, Rydane, God of the Worthy, Flying Vigilance, no lands your opponent's control, enter the battlefield, tapped. And then it has another yeah. ability. I th- And the thing is, like, you already have to have that in play. Like, I, and I don't know. It just doesn't seem... It's just, it's just not enough. And then you also have to be playing white. <laughs> so, that's... Yeah. Here I am just being like, oh, look, white got a great card. And you're like, yeah, you have to play white, though. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> one thing like I, I know that other that other um sort of commentators or, or magic personalities have, have talked about this and and i do agree nicole that i i don't want to have to play snowlands because they're, they're just the best lands to play like i i have my preference for basic lands that i want to play i play um onslaught basics and you know i play them on magic online i, I have a a nice collection of them in paper that i put in my draft decks or in my my standard deck so it just feels kind of bad like i'm a competitive player i'll play whatever is good but i also just want to be able to express myself and and play the basics that i think look look pretty so just just like having to play snow basics just because it's it's technically the correct decision even though i have no snow cards in my deck you know maybe i guess i could see it not being technically correct because you might play against the the snow hate god so but i still don't like the you know, like it, it kind of influences the art you have to pick on your cards. It's kind of weird, but I, I agree that like that's not the best thing um, about snow. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody has their lands that they like to play. You know, their own like personal. Setting. Yeah. So I, I don't mind. I know I know Nick. Rasky, what's yours? <laughs> oh, see, my thing. If I'm playing an arena, I like to make it look like I literally just threw this together at the at the LGS. So, like, if I need six islands in a deck, each of those islands is going to look like a different. Okay, I got a full art. I got a different full art. I got something from War of the Spark. Here's a Ravnica Allegiance. Like, and and that's and you know why I play it so that I can audibly feel in the game client myself. Just like Nick did, I will play two different styles of island, and I can feel almost as if they have emoted into my soul. My opponent go, God, <laughs> this this fucking guy. Yeah, jeez. I feel like dude. I could have guessed that though. I yeah. What's <laughs> <laughs> so the Either I'm gonna go super fancy, and I'm gonna have like, like I play, I play, I have a like I have a Jeskai paper deck, and in that in that Jeskai deck, they are all foiled out full arts. Theros lands, like the really cool, like energy lands, that kind of that kind of thing. Like I have I, either it's going to be some unified, real fancy thing, or it's going to be complete jank. Like that's there is no in between with this. So outside but, of the lands, what else are you looking forward to? <laughs> I mean, there's a few things that I'm looking forward to. I, I just love that I look at this set and I tr- I try to look at it in the ways in which I'm going to engage with the set via arena, right? So I'll probably play limited formats first. Like I'll, I'm going to play a bunch of sealed first and I'll play a little bit of draft and then I'll jump into constructed when maybe I have some sort of card pool that I can work with. And what I notice from it is that there's, there's 
most like limited sets, you know what you're up against, right? It's like the these color groupings are doing this, these color groupings are doing this. But I look at things and I see like I see vehicles, I see tribal synergies, I see snow, I see I see foretell and boast and all of that. And I'm just going, man, from a limited perspective, like there's just a lot to keep track of. There's a lot you have to think about when I'm trying to either build a deck. There's going to be a lot of like little tiny micro synergies with stuff as opposed to being like, yes, I am this archetype and I will only do these things. There's going to be all these little tiny micro synergies that you kind of have to think about with how you're going to build decks via whatever limited format you're going to play. That's the first thing that stood out to me about that is like, wow, you know, I'm used to like playing, you know, my favorite like limited formats because I'm a relatively newer player, things like core sets or ones where it's like, you know, we're going to have a pretty straightforward limited format. Um, or it's completely broken, like a Coria, and I know I'm only drafting cycling because screw it, cycling's the best. Like this one, I look at this and go, there's so much to keep track of. There's so much you have to think about. I kind of like it. I'm also kind of like, I'm going to lose a lot. That's what stands out to me about some of these mechanics. I love that Fortel is just kind of this mix between morph and suspend. Uh, all at the same time, like it's kind of like a mix between those two, like put those together and you get yourself some foretell. I, I look at all of those and I, it, it makes me as a, as a player, like I am a net decker. I am someone who will read all the articles I can to get a leading edge. So literally I'm looking at all these things and I'm literally looking around at my friends who are much better than me. Like the ones in this podcast being like, someone tell me what to do. Cause I don't know what to do. I look at all of this and being like, I'm going to lose so much early on, but eventually I'm going to find ways to do things that that said, I do think that there's a lot of opportunity to really study the set and, and reward yourself for things like foretelling at the right time or properly guessing what your opponent is foretelling. I like that. I like that uh, idea of kind of trying to stay one step ahead of what your opponent is doing, whether you are the one foretelling or the one trying to guess what the foretell is. I think that's kind of cool. Um, I think that opens up a new layer of stuff that is a way in which I like to play the game as opposed to just like straight up aggro, me smash face, go. There's more nuance to the decisions you have to make and, and kind of go from there. It's going to be really interesting, I think, with, with Fortel, especially in, in Constructed, because on Arena, when you're playing Ladder, you don't have access to deck lists. But at a you know at the higher level event like an SEG or or a PT or something you're going to know exactly which cards your opponent has that that with Fortel so it it opens up so many interesting uh, decisions both in deck building and in gameplay like the the Fortel Wrath the five mana destroy all creatures that you can also Fortel you know you pay two mana to exile it face down and then on a later turn you can pay one white white to cast it you know on at, on another turn it. First of all, if that's Fortel encourages you to play more than just that card with Fortel in your deck to make your opponent think, you know, is it the counter spell, is it the draw spell, or is it the wrath? And with open deck lists, you're going to know exactly what they have access to. So it, it it's really interesting because if your opponent for if you're playing an aggro deck, I don't know, maybe Nicole, you can also like give your thoughts on this. Like if you're playing an aggro deck and your opponent on turn two, your control opponent spends two mana to foretell a card. So it could be a control uh, counter spell, it could be a draw spell, or it could be the wrath. Are you going to, to play around it? Are you going to not commit two more creatures to the board because they could just wrath on turn four or turn five and hold up the two mana counter? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think at that point, obviously, it depends on like what my hand looks like and how the game's going, but it's hard to overcommit to. A, a board when there's a rat like i started playing when supreme verdicts was a thing and like you just stopped playing creatures on turn three you were just like okay now if you have verdicts you're gonna have to only take one or two of my creatures at a time and that's that so like not over committing or being able to bluff the facts you know being the control player being like listen i don't really like need to foretell my counter spell but i'm just going to because they'll think it's a wrath or something yeah, like that you could you could foretell another card and all and still have the wrath in hand ready to go on turn five or you could foretell something and you don't have the wrath yet but you can give yourself a chance to draw it and i think i love mechanics that that make you know gameplay decision a little bit different honestly i don't know how different they're going to be because if you're playing aggro against blue white control you're you're not gonna overcommit anyway but this is just like an extra incentive to to change how you play a little bit to fit what's going on in the deck list and on board and i'm pretty excited for that 
kind of gameplay. And then the other thing is that I love the tension between Fortel and Boast. So Fortel kind of rewards you for for taking a turn offer in the early game to pay two and foretell something whereas both like you really want to get that one drop in play that you, uh, especially that one mana to one that boasts for one and a white to make a one one spear uh warrior like you, you want to have that in play to get value every turn whereas with foretell you you want to put a bunch of things in exile so that you can use them later so i'm very excited for what this will bring to standard is there anything else about this, like this setup that you see from either the limited perspective or other sets that you're just like something else in in call time that you're like really interested in looking at, or even a specific card that you're really looking forward to seeing as well? Um, it, it's so tough. Like, I, I'm so bad at kind of judging how good cards are without playing them. But one thing that does excite me is um the gods. So each god in the set is a double faced card with another a modal double face card with another card on the backside and you can you know it's like the the lands in zendikar where you can choose to cast the front or the back half they don't sort of transform into each other and that's super cool because normally if you play four copies of a legend you could be stuck with with one copy in play and one copy in hand and you can't cast it unless you you, you know you attack the first legend into a blocker or something but here it's like you can actually technically have two copies of the same card in play just like different different sides and that's another wrinkle in in the constructed sort of i don't know tapestry or whatever where you can have the the white snow hate card but you can also have valkmira protector shield in play though i don't think you'd want both of them in play at the same time because they deal with different matchups anyway it's just there's so much more flexibility when you when you have a whole other side of the card you can cast I like that. I also want us just to take a moment to think about, just for a second, the idea of this set coming out with the following cards being legal. Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. Omnath, Locus of Creation. Oko, Thief of Crowns. Fires of Invention. Fires of Invention. Come on. There's still like that. Like I'm looking at the cards now, being like, "Yeah, it's gonna be a good set." I think there's some cool things about this set. And then I'm thinking about like, they wanted this set with fires of invention. Like that's gonna okay. That's some spice. That's a little bit too much spice for me. I like spicy, but that's a little too spicy. Yeah, we we can unban Escape to the Wilds, right? Because Fortel doesn't actually work with Escape to the Wilds. You can only Fortel from your hand. So there, there. That's yeah, yeah. yeah escape is fine. Unban it. That's the last. That's the last thing I'll I'll actually ask on this. When you've seen from the spoilers we've seen so far, is there a card like we could kind of see from some of these things? Like when Omnath was announced, everyone just went, "Oh God!" And then when like we saw Uro, we just went, "Son of a." Is there something that you see from this set that just makes you go, have they learned nothing? I'm I'm browsing the green cards now in the spoiler. (laughs) That's where that's going to be for sure. Um, I don't know. I I don't see something. This set is just full of sweetness. And um, oh, oh, by the way, if you haven't already seen, there's a Phyrexian Praetor in the set. Like that's just... I'm so sad that that was part of the the initial leaks that I I saw by accident. It's like, it, the, why is there a Praetor in the set? Someone please explain. I can't I can't wait to find out. It's a good question. It's a very good question, Nicole. What what's your feelings on it? But that's uh, kind of like what I was saying earlier, where I kind of like I like Wizards does very subtly like connect their sets. So I, I feel like mm-hmm. it's kind of like. It's just like a teaser spoiler thing where it's just like, ooh, we're doing this. Like, watch out for what's next. You know, like like everybody, the last time when everything came back, when the Eldrazi came back and Oath of the Gatewatch, everybody was ready for it. You know, like, I feel like this time, it's just, just be ready for it. Yeah, and then they put, they put Emrakul in, they put Emrakul in Eldritch Moon, right? So it, I, I do like that, like putting it interesting foreshadowing and, and story hints and, and sets for later. Is there something about this? I mean, we saw vehicles, we saw all these other things that are going on there. And we know that there's a time spiral set coming very soon. Is there, are they also just kind of foretelling a little bit of like what's going to come out in future sets with this? Yeah. I mean, so I've, I, I, I follow the, the, the wizards of the coast like blog and I read the articles from Mark Rosewater and stuff. And it's something that they mentioned. They, they tried to do more when they switched from, two or three set blocks to like standalone sets that may or may not be on the same plane is they, they, they tried to make sure that 
the first set released in 2020 would be somehow tied to the last set released in 2020, even if they don't happen on the same plane. So I, the example I want to bring up is maybe runes. Um, so runes in are a card type in Kaldheim, uh, they're an aura, and it's enchant. For example, rune of might, one in a green, enchant permanent. When rune of might enters the battlefield, draw a card. Enchanted. As long as enchanted permanent is a creature, it gets plus one plus one and trample. And as long as enchanted permanent is an equipment, it has equipped creature has gets plus one plus one and trample. So a rune is something that that fits into Kaldheim flavorfully because it's sound. You know, it's 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 based in North mythology and and culture. But also, I could imagine them printing more runes in a set like Strixhaven, which is about you know, which is like the Harry Potter set. It's going to be about casting spells and and you know. Magic textbooks or whatever. So I, I like you know Sagas is another great example where Sagas fits so well thematically into Theros and now Kaldheim. So I this is really my favorite thing about about the, the latest sets is that they just find a way to have different mechanical and and flavorful things be present in different sets that aren't normally going to be related. Yeah, I'm with you on that. At the at the very least, the one thing I'll say about it is that like. The art of this set is is both like gloriously because it's like snow. It's all it's gonna be like it's gonna be icy colors, right? It's just gonna be like it's just gonna be white and nothing else and all these things. The the this set is amazingly colorful and has such a cool style to it that like I can see it at the very least like separate from the gameplay mechanics and everything else. I'm like, yes, yeah, yeah. I am going to make a play mat from strategic planning. I'm gonna make a play the mat of something. The sagas are 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 off the hizzle, as Caroline they're likes to say. They, they're, they're so good. Insane. The showcases. Wh what the heck? No, they are. It's The art is beautiful. The Binding of uh, binding the Old Gods, that, that saga, that was mm -hmm. actually um, the artist. It's, it's actually a carving. Like, it's a physical wood carving that the artist made. It's unbelievably beautiful. Uh, That's amazing. Look it up. It's uh, absolutely gorgeous. I love that. I think I think we're all in agreement that there's there's some cool things to do with the art. And I know uh, one of our one of our Swigoy teammates, uh, Hayu Yu Nefet, would also just just throw out that like I think my favorite card from the set, just because I'm that petty blue player as well, is saw it coming. Is that because it's so it's just so good. You foretell it and then just counter somebody and just go. You saw it coming. And then just boom, hit them with it, tilt your opponent off of the deep end, and then just win the game from there. That's my that's 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 what I'm looking forward to the most is just doing that over and over and over again. And we love that our listeners keep listening to us over and over and over again, no matter what we're talking about, be it via how to approach Magic the Gathering online, our favorite Kaldheim mechanics, or other topics thereabouts as well, which is why we always enjoy when our listeners leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever podcasting platform that you listen to us on, maybe even leave us a verbal review as well. Let us know what you think about the cast, what you like, what you don't like, what we could do better. We always appreciate that as well. And of course, you can find out more about this podcast and everything else that we do here at Swagoi Gaming by following us on Twitter at Swagoi Gaming, S-W-A-G-O-I Gaming. You can also learn about all the different teams that we have at Swagoi.com. You can learn about our Hearthstone, Magic Gathering, Valorant teams, and our content creation teams, and so much more there as well, because we're all about helping amateurs take that next step into the professional realm. And while we do those things, and while we work on all that stuff, we always like to be playing Magic. We always want to get better at the game of Magic the Gathering, and we always like to enjoy interacting with other people while we do it. So that's what I would love to know as we close out this podcast is, what are you doing to get better at the game of Magic, and where can people find you doing that at? Nick, let's start with you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NickStratMTG. And this week, what I'm going to be doing to improve at Magic is to help my amazing teammates practice for their VML matches. And I, like this has really been one of my favorite things to do since joining Swagoy because I've maybe I've said it before, but my favorite arena format is direct challenge, and I, I just really enjoy learning from from better players and and really being in a Discord call and talking about a specific matchup. Like I, I love that and it's something that I, I would do for fun and not just to prepare for a tournament. I love it. And Nicole, how about you? Well, Nick actually was the one that tested with me last night. So I have completed my VML match for the week as we went over earlier. Yay. <laughs> but I still have a lot of prep uh because this will probably I think this is the last week of old standard for the VML. So I'm going to 
you know, gr- grind out some some matchups, uh, pr- probably try my hand at gruel again. And obviously it's like the week before Christmas now. We have Kaldheim. It's like here. It's practically here. So I've got to keep my eye on new standard. I've got to take in all those new spoiler. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the spoilers are all out. So, you know, read some articles, look at some pictures. <laughs> Start brewing, see what you want to do from there. I yeah. love it. <laughs> and where can people find you doing that at? Oh, I am on Twitter at Lady of the Crease. So check me out there. Say hi. Absolutely. And of course, our uh, our other co-host who is not with us tonight, of course, is Caroline Cavanaugh, the Mighty Linguini. You can find out all the things that she's doing at Mighty Linguini on Instagram, at The Mighty Linguini on Twitch, at twitch.tv slash The Mighty Linguini. She always streams on Wednesdays, and she always has a magic guest, but she doesn't always play magic. I think I hit that on the right like tone that Caroline hits it. I hope she'll be proud of yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. You know. That's my that's my Easter egg to Caroline. If she actually listens this far, we will find out. Because uh, if she doesn't, she won't mention a dang thing. But of course, if you all want to find out what I'm going to be doing, you can always follow me on Twitter at Brasky1142 or find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Brasky1142. I'm just going to be digging back into the last throws of Zendikar Rising before finding my way and, and searching around what I want to do with Kaldheim. Probably starting Unlimited going into Constructed, and jumping off from there. But we always know it's not necessarily about when you're losing. It's how much Grixis I can play, which is 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 the key to all of these things. But the key to this podcast is our listeners. And the key to why we keep on doing it is the appreciation we have for y'all. So feel free to share out this podcast and let us know what else we can do for you. And we look forward to seeing you in the icy depths of Kaldheim next week. Bye. Bye. I was going to say Say bye. You guys are new to this. Go ahead and say bye. Yeah, bye. It's fine. There we go. Bye. Bye.